The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Austin Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Up, you savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, and you can find me five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA for the most part, and we're doing that again today. And I say today because it is Saturday. Once again, I lied to my audience and I said I was going to record it post-Bellator to do a post-Bellator little wrap-up, which we're still going to do. But uh, my body just fucking tapped out on me. It, it, over, it, it overruled. It overruled and, 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 and uh, hit, the, hit the reboot switch on me. So I passed out for a few hours, finished what I wanted to finish, and now my mics are turned on. It's a beautiful morning. Uh, literally, right before I started recording, got word that all fighters for UFC Austin made weight. So we will be breaking that down as per usual from bottom to top. But first, a recap of last week's card, last night's card, slash kind of cards. Don't worry, they'll be brief. And of course, a few notes off the top. Uh, as you could tell by the cadence and my ability to actually project voice, I am feeling a little better, I dare say. Which is kind of crazy because everybody who knows Dan Tom, uh, including the people uh, I work with, uh, who've been great, by the way. Shout out to everybody from Junkie Radio to the editorial. Been very supportive in my road to recovery, which isn't, you know, uh, I don't need to say that because there, there are serious people who, much more serious things who use that term, but you, you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling, feeling better, but, but surprisingly so because I'm not, you know, giving myself the rest, uh, the rest to and just, just working like crazy and sitting, even though I'm still sitting with a pillow as I talk to you right now, you know. For the cough and also for the back support, because I'm like, you know, my engage. It's weird. Anybody who has a surgery, like, am I engaging my stomach muscles? Am I not? Like, you don't realize how many things you engage your stomach muscles for, even like stepping down steps and whatnot, and oh, having to drive and hit the brakes. Oh, it's been, it's been not fun, man. And and not just kind of doing stuff, but it, again, I I probably could have taken it easier if I if I wanted to, but. Without getting into too much detail as far as what my workload's like and how, how Dan Tom, uh, you know, pays his bills and fills his literally 80-plus hour weeks that you hear me often talk about on here, without getting too much into the details, it just it was just essentially just the, just the way the timing worked out because, of course, as you know, if you know me, timing not on my side. But the way the timing worked out was just, just you know, this was the only Bellator card this month. Um, so... Between that and you know, uh, you know, as 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 I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the year, and I'm sure anybody following, as you can tell, my duties have kind of expanded at MMA Junkie, to kind of be on the breakdowns, uh, you know, more you know, opinions, op-ed type articles, analysis-based type articles, uh, stuff like that. We're doing more videos with the radio team. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying that. 
We're being much more interactive. So we got a lot of things. We got a lot of things going, and uh, and uh, sorry, I'm not sure where I'm where I'm trying to connect the dots here, but um, but yeah, just the way everything kind of lined up for other projects that I kind of had done. I uh, you know uh, I did have a, a Mayweather McGregor piece that you guys saw, but of course, if you know Dan Tom's going to do Mayweather McGregor piece, it's an anti Mayweather McGregor piece, and why we shouldn't be fucking seeing that. Get that shit out of here. So, um, you know, it, 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 I, 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 I didn't get any, any, any negative things on it, by the way, only positive, by the way. So thank you guys for, for sharing or if you like that or whatever. But I guess I will say as the contrarian in me, I have to, I have to I guess I have to call myself out to a certain extent or maybe not call myself, like acknowledge at least, right? Uh, or at least I always try to be good at that. And, uh, and, and yeah, you know, um, it was it was an you know it was an idea I was totally behind on and, and whatnot and I'm happy with what what it did but it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't blame anybody for just like throwing up in their mouth to, to see him you know any kind of Mayweather talk because you know and I you had Mayweather and CM Punk talk that solely followed suit and all these crazy I don't even want to say organic storylines because they're just the class of their own they're just they're not organic but they are in, on their own in a sense and I don't know where the fuck it's coming from. But we see it, that's what draws the clicks and that's what draws the attention. And I don't know what to say about that. Kind of said the same thing when I did with my, my possible opponents for Tyron, Tyron Woodley piece. It, you know, it did really well, I'll just say that. And it did so well that, you know, I'm happy that it did well. Of course, I want everything I put out to do well. And I, I you know Dan Tom, more than to my detriment. I don't mail things in. I put my fucking heart and soul in whatever I do do. But, you know, it always just... It's just so interesting. I, I talked to this before, so I won't harp on any longer. But just at that point, it just you get these reminders where we or you and I, like you, tend to complain about these things and go against the grain and like to pride myself on that. But but at the end of the day, these the, the, the things that you know for whatever reasons get the clicks and the attention and draw the traffic um, are the things that we complain about as hardcores. And I, I shared those complaints, but so. It's, Again, it's just it's just irony, right? And I don't want to complain, you know, especially not just seeing both sides and you know or anything like that. Nor would I, or have reason to complain. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, especially if you you, you are paying attention, or even if you listen to other podcasts. I know, you know, my colleague, my man over there, John Morgan on the MMA Road Show with him and Ken Hathaway. Shout out to those guys. You know, we work for the same team, but we're also just a part of the same climate. Because not even just being M junkie or even MMA, just kind of sports media in general. Your pivots to digital, shift to video, you know, all these things, and and uh, cutbacks. You know, the cutbacks that we accuse the UFC. That's like just typical corporate stuff that happened everywhere. You know that that happened to me when I was working construction. You know, I I was a you know project you know uh, a, a site manager. Uh, right under the project manager and a nice job and I worked my way up to get that job you know I started off as a laborer but you know I ended up taking a a nice a, a European vacation that I referenced to where I took like a month or so off came back and my job was gone my my crew 80% of them was gone I was handed a shovel because the boss of the company's brother was in my desk and needed a job because you know these, just, these things happen it's just politics man you can be mad at the world all you want but they happen happened you know uh, when I worked at Whole Foods, they cut they cut back on on things and you know um, uh, what what not and uh, you know uh, for other reasons you know lot, would lose you know cushy spot or certain certain you know benefits and whatnot and these are just kind of corporate corporate things that happen and and 
And in the current climate, you know, that hasn't happened with drinking, by the way. But you know, we, nothing like that, by the way. But what I'm saying is, you know, when you're 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 in these climates, it it really makes you just kind of grateful that you have a job. So as as crazy as things are, and people are like Dan, sorry, I'm rounding this back. I know in my my long roundabout way. But essentially, the whole point of this this spiel is, you know, is, is Dan, you know, you need to take care of yourself in this night. You're probably you're probably right. I probably should have been laying down, getting my rest, and not sleeping for three hours a night and working, you know, literally the rest of the hours and change in a day. Um, but I'm not complaining about it, man, because I'm lucky. I'm lucky as shit. I'm lucky that the stuff that I'm dealing with and I'm still dealing with, that aside from the surgery, is not worse. I'm lucky to have the job that I have, the best job in the fucking world. I'm I, I'm really lucky, so believe me, it's not coming out of a complaint. And then for those of you reaching out with concern, thank you. But perhaps it doesn't make me right for sure. But but the, the, for what it's worth, that is the reason for my my stubbornness or my outlook. You know, my outlook upon it. So, uh, anyways, that being that, thank you guys for reaching out. Your kindness. Gonna get the staples out on Tuesday. And uh, let's get to these recaps and we can get to the breakdown, shall we? We had UFC 221 in um, Australia. Went 6-6 six and six in picks, which again is bad. And uh, again, is it just me being bad? Because maybe, you know, I wanna, maybe I can take this time to blame my crazy schedule and the surgeries and working through it for this recent run. I mean, that would be apropos, but uh, not that I, you know look too hardly especially you know these days i can't barely even get on twitter forget keeping track of who who has what and and, and where and and all these things but um you know i guess what i'm trying to say is am i the only one been doing terrible picks lately because <laughs> that's what it feels like damn it no um but yeah yeah man i i, I can't i can't boast a, a semi-decent pick percentage anymore i don't think um uh, but yeah, I did go one and zero in the pro- in props and parlay pieces, which was good. And then of course zero and one in straight plays, which was Mark Hunt. But you know, as usual, I actually expected it to do pretty bad because if you know me and his history kind of repeats itself here. It's just true. It's not just my 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 biased opinion, but whenever we have those those fight cards, your old Dan Tom say I'm rooting against my pick here. Like there's probably a reason I'm rooting against my pick. Like go against my pick. Like I'm just an idiot and for whatever reason. And going the other way on it, certain matchups. I mean, we all do this. We all, you know, we all do that to ourselves from time to time. We all have certain fighters that we have a tough time reading, right? Uh, one of them's probably headlining uh, a common one that's on people's list is headlining this year card UFC Austin Donald Cerrone. But, but back to UFC 221, it was it was full of picks that I was you know rooting against or not confident in. And I'm usually try to be honest about that because again, I know what these trends usually mean. And it was once again proven right uh, that night. Um, you know, my initial lean, for example, was Yoel Romero. My initial lean was Curtis Blades, two guys I've been high on, have a history of uh, picking when people, when, you know, a lot of people weren't picking them, uh, and and but just didn't do so for whatever many of reasons that night. But uh, no, it was it was it was it was all good. It was uh, enjoyable card. There was a lot to like. Uh, yeah. That Volkanovski Kennedy, that was a lot like I kind of thought as far as like I'm probably just overly worrying. I should just go with my initial instinct. And even though I did go with my initial instinct and picking, you almost I almost felt like I was backtracking my pick as I was going, like second guessing it. And, and it was just one of those cards for me, I guess. Um, but yeah, I hope you did well. Uh, last 
then of course, yep, and as I told you, the week kind of stacked up on me with personal projects and the normal duties, which are more than enough to keep a normal person busy. Um, and then of course, Bellator 194. Uh, and, you know, usually I'm only doing, like I said, I'm only doing the main events. If it's worthy, we do a co-main event, but with it being their only card and again, you know, not getting into the details, but it just made sense for it being an opportunity to, you know, give some love to the main card because I, there was a lot to give love to on, on paper, um, right heading in. So, uh, I did kind of a little different thing where, you know, cause you want to change it up and stuff uh, in general. But, uh, yeah, I did, a, you know, Bellator 194 skills and thrills of the main car where I kind of touch on stuff, you know, coming from the technical basis and giving my feel for it. But I didn't give, like, hard predictions. And then also, because, you know, the junkie staff picks, we're doing Bellator now for certain cards, um, like these ones that I cover. So you can see my picks there. So they were listed anyway. So, um, oh, sorry, I'm still dealing with those like, acidity issues and I, like, just like it just raises in the top of your stomach, like where you're like, oh, just feels like, eh, anyways. Um, but yeah, no, it, there, there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a lot to like. Um, I actually missed Taiwan Claxon. I was setting up. I guess I won't get into detail. You know, I will just say I'm a, I will say I'm a paying cable, you know, person for you know, all the channels. I pay for pay per views. As you saw my UFC 221 tweet that, that caught some steam because I think y'all could relate to that. Who did? But um, or even if you didn't, just because you understood. But um, but but yeah. Let, so I won't go into details, but I will say, Bellator makes it difficult for people on the West Coast to fucking watch, even if they are hardcore uh, MMA fans, uh, people in MMA media, or again paying <sighs> customers. Anyways, all these points that are in their favor for them to get their shit together in that regard, especially now. You, all right. Anyway, sorry. Don't get me started on that. It's like a right lane rider tangent for me with the Bellator, um, as far as their their broadcasting times. Paramount, I should say now. Uh, but yeah, uh, setting up some you know multi screen action a bit because we uh, had the LFA, Titan Glory, had a bunch of stuff going on last night. Um, but yeah, I missed uh, Taiwan Claxton. Apparently, he just had a dominant performance and you know was still being hard on himself. But. Uh, but what kind of was proven when I was saying, if you, you, you've heard me on Junkie Radio on here or in the article that I just mentioned, uh, despite the flying knee and highlight and not there being much to see, that uh, you know, I think there's more to offer than than a one-hit wonder, because he actually likes the ground game and is pretty pretty decent at his and it. You know, again, he, he have the most best opponent. You know, you can't really gauge that. But hey, this guy's only two and zero himself, so let's not let's forget about that a little bit here and just kind of you know. You know, you, you know, kind of look at the overall skill set, what he was doing, what what he's capable of doing, and um, and yeah, I'm a little biased. He works with you know Neil Melanson, catch wrestling coach, my old catch wrestling coach there. But Neil was real high on him too. So uh, so yeah, I mean, he was hard on himself, the kid after the fight. But you know, there there there's still a lot to look for there. Um, I think after that was Nemkov versus uh, Vadim Nemkov versus uh, Magiri. Which is awesome to see because, like, it was, you know, the oddsmakers were giving Nemkov respect. And I think the public was holding that line tight where Nemkov was kind of floating between, like, plus 110, plus 105-ish. I think he closed at, like, plus 100. But uh, I played on I, I played him, of course, because, you know, it was, he was, I said it on Junkie Radio, I said it in my article and in my picks, it was, 
you know, a dark horse approaches with, I mean, the title of my, uh, on that section of my article was, you know, a dark horse approaches at light heavyweight. And sure enough, it did because, you know, my Twitter timeline at least was, was popping with Nemkov this and Nemkov that. And, and yeah, man, that's why I was on. I was surprised. I, again, I'm not trying to, you know, just, you get your good days and bad days. You can never get too high. You can never get too low as a fighter. Same thing when it comes to something as trivial because it is trivial. Need I remind you as picking fights, um, but you know, so I never get too high on these things. But yeah, I was the only person that picked Nemkov surprisingly on the junkie staff picks, and he came through. So that that probably helped me, even though um, I didn't do too great overall on these Bellator picks. I think I went three and two, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but yeah, I was really high on uh, uh, Nemkov, and uh, you know, he showed through and sacrificed his damn legs, even though it was actually his left leg that looked like he had the broken foot. I think it was the inside leg kick because those the checks on those are much more easier to check it's less of an angle to turn and it's more brutal because you're getting more of a hard turn of the knees and shin bones you're colliding with c anderson silver versus chris weidman too um but yeah i think at the end of the second round he tried to really punctuate his presence there going to the inside and uh and, and i think that's where he heard it but it was it was a really it was a solid performance out mcgeary's okay tough tough son of a bitch you probably could have quit earlier to be honest with the way he went out um so yeah, uh, there's that, and uh, you know, not gonna lie, does it? You know, it, it, it's uh, it, it's nice to see a division get a, a an injection where it needs, and those, the heavyweight and light heavyweight. I'm just super excited to see anybody there, you know. Um, but it's also nice, like kind of like with Dominic Reyes, you know, these guys before they get to the big stage, you're pretty high on, and then to see them do well, a first and foremost for them because they're the ones that's important in this equation. But, but but be you know if I'm being a little honest, it's, you know it's always nice to kind of you know puff your chest out a little bit. Like, hey, I t- told you, told you to watch out for this guy, um, and they start doing well. So it uh, looks like Nemkov's going to add himself to that list. And then next was uh, the first pick I got wrong, another underdog pick, but the first one I got wrong, which was uh, Anna Hulaton over Heather Hardy. Um, I love Anna and I love Angelo, but you know if I'm being honest, that you know. Uh, there was a lot of bias in that pick. Could Anna have won? Absolutely. I mean, even if you were a detractor and even after what was, let's be honest. And again, I love Angela and Anna, but they are objective, intelligent martial artists, capable adults of criticism. And that was a bad fight. And she's had a couple bad fights in a row and made very poor decisions. Now, MMA is still new to her, even though not as new. According to the record, as Heather Hardy still new to both of them. So I believe some slack should be cut there. I believe when you start getting into the criticisms of their level, that needs to be partially, if not promptly, delegated more to the promotions decisions as opposed to the fighters being paid and taking that opportunity and not just being paid and taking an opportunity that most would, arguably earning it more than most have as far as what those girls both have been through in their personal lives, their boxing journeys, which do count for something. Uh, that being said, but yeah, yeah, of course, you know, we, we gotta be real with our criticism here. It was a really bad fight. Um, and it was really poor decision-making, you know, she couldn't get it out of first gear would be the nice way to say it for Anna, but it was almost just like the game plan was pop a few shots, which was working. And I agree with Chael, like, why aren't you continuing to do that? Uh, but the main game plan seemed like push for a takedown, but never get out of first gear of, of it and just drive through. 
but since you're driving through in first gear, you're going to end up falling forward on your face most of the time, which is what happened. And there was no urgency to re-swim for an underhook to block getting her back taken and re-swimming in for a signal to stand, re-swimming for the underhook just to stand in general, underhook get-ups, um, fighting hands, uh, looking to stand, using the cage, looking to stand, putting your back to the cage like a uh, cheese grater and, and wall walking, looking to stand. None of those options look to even be exercise or thought about, and that's just being uh, just being honest and objective. I think we all agree on that. Um, and uh, that it was just that was just oh that was that was frustrating. And I didn't, by the way, I didn't even bet on the things. There's no none of that coming through here at all. And I knew it was a bias pick for me going in, so I had those reserves and. So nothing like that. I'm just I'm just being honest and, and, and voicing what was mine, what I imagine your criticisms and frustrations to have been, the frustrated uh, frustrations that I saw, frankly, just swelling my timeline. So I don't I don't think I'm out of line here with this feeling about the fight. Um, and uh, but it was ironic because I'm actually criticizing Hulutan, the fighter that I support, and. Uh, enjoy as a person and support their journey and their coaching and, and uh, you know, they're great people and all that, you know, but I got to be unbiased here, you know, from my, my standpoint as an analyst, as a media member, et cetera, so forth, just having my own opinion and being honest first and foremost. And, and, and yeah, but yeah, but the crazy, I guess what I'm trying to say is the crazy part is I'm, I'm, I'm criticizing her, but I saw a lot of people, more, the majority of people, I should say, criticizing Hardy. Um, so, so it's just kind of crazy, you know. It's just who they put out there. And I think that's just more the hater effect, you know, who they put out there, who's who's, who's going to do well, you know. Or if someone starts doing well, we, there's like kind of a hater thing. Like, like uh, you know, like I don't know the guy, John Jones. I, I think he's funny, you know. I, I, I enjoy his writing. I read a, read a little bit of his excerpts of his book. We had him as a guest on our show at MMA Junkie Radio. But, uh, you know, from sites like uh, our site did something with them, and then I, I believe some others, uh, you know, I don't want to say followed suit, but did some things, and you kind of saw Bellator reach out to him and brought him out to the show as a kind of a stunt, you know, kind of playing off the, the, these themes here that, that, that have been popular. And I could see how anybody gets sick of that. Like, as a, again, as a natural contrarian, I'm not like, <laughs> you know, about it, you know, believe me, I'm not. But. I'm also not going to go hate the guy either. And I was seeing some of that too. Like, and again, it's, it's fine. I'm not disagreeing with that or those people. I'm just saying to the, to the more to the point, it's natural to hate, you know, and kind of, you know, uh, bring things down. And you know, culturally there's, there's different ways to go about it. There's haters or, you know, there's a, what's the, uh, what's the Australian term chopping the polys or trimming the polys or something like that. Right. Uh, kind of like well, a guy, a guy like Volkanovski even wants to fight the bullies. It's kind of just a certain attitude, and I can appreciate that. Believe me, I'm not against it. But yeah, it's, it's just it's just funny how the perception kind of shakes out. When at the end, maybe we should be looking at the promotion uh, decision to do that as well. But yeah, I got to give my criticism has got to go. Just like a, any good teacher, you're harder on those you love, and uh, that's why my criticism is hard on. On Hulaton, because again, even if you were a detractor and didn't pick her, etc., you saw that even if with that being in mind, and even with what was a a piss poor fight, 
you saw that she had very well opportunities to win. Like, not only if she just did, you know, kind of we get to the main event, the takedowns a little earlier, but if she was just a little more active, again, which we'll get to in the main event, a little more active with the ground and pound, she could have sold sold what your you know historically shoddy judges in MMA, especially these Bellator events, on perhaps a controversial scorecard, right? Like that would not have been out of the question. So, you know, um, the judges got it right. Uh, you know, I think it was valuable experience for Hardy. It was not a good fight. It was not entertaining. Uh, we we didn't get to see her at her strengths, but if she's serious about pursuing <laughs> mixed martial arts, she was put up against a compatible opponent as a comparable opponent, technically slightly more experienced, and an opponent who maybe wasn't projected to do so on paper, but ultimately challenged her in the areas that she would need to be challenged if she wanted to be serious going forward, right? That's what we saw, right? So yeah, it's all a matter of perspective. And anyways, uh, next fight was the co-main event. Patricky Pitbull versus Compost. I saw a lot of love for Compost, which was great. And maybe I started, you know, even after my picks and analysis was in, I started second-guessing myself after hearing Compost talk about acknowledging his mistakes in the past, the reason why I couldn't pick against him, talking about changing things up, having a special, excuse me, game plan in mind. <laughs> oh, hiccup, sorry, excuse me. But, um, but yeah, no, it just was his waiting wild style, you know, kind of, it was, and versus Patricky Pitbull's just accurate check hooks and counters, just, it just it was too much of a perfect pit fitting puzzle piece for me to pick against. And it played out more perfectly than even I imagined, or maybe even most of us imagined, uh, depending. Uh, and he got the clean, clean kill there. Um, so good on Pitbull, and hopefully, uh, you know, I think he deserve. I think it's clear he gets the next shot. But hopefully, you know, for his sake, he can become the uh, the bride, and no longer the bride's main, as kind of has been his case in Bellator. Uh, main event: Matt Mitrione, Roy Nelson. I was on Nelson here. This was uh, this was the second fight that I got wrong, and uh, but again, it was uh, it was very winnable for Roy, even if you weren't picking Roy. And, and again, and not only was it winnable for Roy, it was a bad version of Roy, right? I mean, maybe not a bad version because we've kind of. I, I would argue that it is fair to say that we've seen bad versions of Roy in maybe three of his last five to four of his last six. And I think that's fair, right? Um, they've all been different versions, even the good versions slash victorious versions in those equations in his his last six or so, five or six fights. But yeah, of course they're going to be different. He's 41 years old. He's a heavyweight. He's got a big belly. But in the Javi Ayala fight, I guess the reason why I picked him, even though he's getting a lot of criticism, I went back to watch them. Like you shouldn't get criticism. Like I'm still worried about that vaunted power not being there, which kind of proved to be, maybe not proved to be true, but at least provided much fuel to that fire and argument, right? But in the Javi Ayala fight, that aside, you know, even though he came in, you know, higher in weight, he he just kind of lost being in the 250s. Now he's just coming into the 265. Like, he almost looked more muscular and more fit than normal, and not, like, in a suspicious way at all, by the way. Like, he trained hard, and by all reports at Extreme Couture, man, he's he's in there putting his rounds. He's not a, a prima donna in the practice room. He works his ass off, you know? I'm sure the dude just loves to just probably eat bad food. I can relate. But, um, but yeah, and, you know, we've seen him in bad shape, and in his bad performances where he's getting his ass beat, still go five rounds. So I'm like, all right, he can go three here with Mitrion. Um even though Mitrion's more athletic in that 
would be the, ended up being and of course was projected to be and of course I agreed to be the difference as far as why he was favored to win the fight Roy was the more complete mixed martial artist who really was just better off on paper and um, in a three round fight and going those three rounds against Mitrione at least right and um, so so yeah we saw that and he was actually getting takedowns much easier than I thought but again he wasn't active enough till the end he wasn't generating enough power and I get it, you know, not just maybe the way his belly and body frame compared to Mitrion's, but Mitrion's an explosive dude. I, I, he used to grapple uh, under my cast wrestling coach. And, I, and, of course, I never fucking grappled with the guy because just the size difference. But we were on the same mats a lot of the times. And I do know the guys he would grapple with. Uh, Neil, Pat, uh, Bijan, um, and... Matt would get pissed when he would get tapped, but he would fight his fucking life uh, to not get tapped. Like, I would see him with, you know, a 250-pound competent heavyweight who knows how to make himself heavy, um, scrambling and positioning himself and taking his back while they're on the floor, and then Matt just powering up, posting, and just literally exploding off and flailing him off like a backpack that's on fire, just getting it off his shoulders. Like, ah! <laughs> like f- freaking out, but he was just so strong and f- physical enough. Like, so I've seen him do that in the practice room. So I mean, I get why why Roy wouldn't want to posture up so heavily, but it 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 uh it certainly cost him. And I think he I think he could have done more than he did, and and of course yes earlier than he did, and live and learn. And yeah, but on the feet though, on the feet he you know, he was eating the leg kicks too, which which didn't help. But even before those leg kicks started to take effect, like early in the first round. Roy just didn't look himself. He even got, like, stunned off of one of Matt's first shots, which was, like, a checking shot, too, I believe. Has to go look back. I don't know how clean it was or clean it wasn't. But, yeah, it was just, like, a really bad start and a really good start for Matt. But, like Matt Matrion does, he kind of shoots himself in the foot and was just giving up them takedowns, despite that being, like, the sole focus of, like, hit this camp, his last few camps, and, frankly, this the last few years. So that was kind of kind of ironic, but yeah, that was that was Bellator 194 for you. Um, I won't jump to a break yet. I'm just gonna go, jump right in and knock out some uh, some prelims. But we're gonna get into yes, UFC Austin as advertised. Uh, as I pull up odds here, we're gonna of course start from bottom to top as per usual, which starts in the fight pass portion. And I believe we're starting off right hot out of the gate with plays because. As usual, those quiet little prospects they put on the card, maybe they're European or some other stereotype with some weird name that people don't want to pronounce or plug into the Google because they don't do the research. But I do. God damn it. And, uh, and, I, and I like what I see in Oscar Piachota, who faces Ted Williams, who looks like a serial killer and apparently embraces that fact by making his name, what is it, the South Shore Strangler? Yeah, uh, yeah UFC certainly didn't list that for sure. But yeah. I believe it's like the South Shore Strangler or some shit, South Jersey Strangler. And he essentially looks like the Kurgan, you know? He looks like Clancy Brown with those dark fucking eyes. Um, uh, you know, like the Kurgan from Highlander. He's got, he's got that, you know, that Tom Breeze look, but more so, you know? Like, he's got the weathered. Like the dudes look like he's seen some shit. And he's from Jersey, but you listen to him talk, and he's from, as, as Joey Diaz would say, dog, he's from... <laughs> he's from the backwoods of Jersey, dog. Those guys are different, like Jim Miller and Dan Miller. <laughs> and it's true, it's a different kind of jersey, you know? 
I mean, it's like comparing Salem County to Bergen County. I mean, you're going to get it's a different kind of jersey. So, um, uh, but, but yeah, t Tim Williams, you know, he, he's a little more of a plodding guy. Kind of plods behind the, you know, and he, there's good quality to it. I mean, and, and, and you know, when, when looking further, he says he has some amateur boxing and, and, and kickboxing bouts, so I got to imagine that attributed to it. But, you know, he, he puts together his punches pretty well, but it's all pretty basic. I mean, he keeps his feet under him, he's good fundamentals, but he's not particularly fast. He hits heavy, but it's not particularly devastating. One shot KO power um, doesn't close the difference particularly fast or well. Uh, doesn't have the most diverse of shot selection. Um, doesn't have the best tools to stop guys from circling out on him, which is what Piachota is going to be doing. He's going to be, he moves really well laterally, Oscar does. Oscar Piachota and uh, Piachota. Piachota, you know, and he, not only does he move, you know, well laterally, but when he finds an angle to his liking, he can come forward or, or counter very well. Uh, got a nice left check hook that I see being key standing. But more importantly, these guys do their business grappling. And that's why I like Piachota here. I think it's a stylistically unfavorable matchup for Williams. They're both Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. But as we know, in mixed martial arts, not all Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts are created equal. And we've seen that. And Oscar Piachota is a very well-trained and well-traveled Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under... Robert Drysdale, a guy I was lucky enough to trade under. I still use a mount escape that Robert uses. It's a really awesome mount escape. But, um, and it's my go-to every time. It's amazing. It gets me to half guard where I need to be. Uh, but, but yeah, Piachota is not only that. He's a really diverse grappler. He's not just a guy who, you know, needs to be on top and play positionally, which is Williams. Williams is more your positional player, you know. It takes his time. He goes from point A, point B. Very much big guy jujitsu. I mean, you see that, um... In one of his more recent armbar finishes, um, just very step by step, you know, pass the guard, clear the leg, uh, clear the leg from the shoulder, get leg under the shoulder to trap the shoulder, moving toward a north south, weave arm under deep under ribs and armpit between bicep, weave through, grab wrist with opposing hand, lock up Kimura grip, sit up, guide. You know, guide their shoulder off the mat as I get behind their back and setting up my sit back for an armbar. Like it's very, it's literally like in that process as I as slow as I explained it. Whereas Piachota, Piachot is is just transitioning all over the place. He can hit leg locks, transition from scramble from the leg locks to get on top. He's a really good back taker, uh, very good guard passes. He can work well from inside of a guard. Um, good takedowns, trips, just the diversity to and from in and out all of these positions. He seems to be confident and have answers in. Uh, so I see it being a very favorable matchup for him. Um, I don't know if he gets the finish, but it's good enough to be a parlay piece at 325. And it wasn't 325 always. I think people started doing their homework because he was in the minus 200s. Um, if you go back and listen to the last breakdown I did on him, you know that I've always been a high on, high on, on, high on him. So hats off to you. If that was of help to you and you were part of the reason why the number went up. Um, but I also do think he gets the finish, which is why uh, I also put Oscar um, in the DraftKings fantasy portion. $9,100 he comes in at. 82 points, APPG. Um, so yeah, he's the pick there. Uh, and, and, and yeah, speaking of, of odds, yeah, he is mine. It's weird. Maybe because it's just too many damn fucking cards. 
And uh, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, I don't think they have the same excuse as me as far as a crazy week. But it certainly doesn't help when you have a crazy personal week and then you're hit with another six-flight fucking main card. But this is on a Sunday, too, so they had an extra day. Uh, lines were a little later coming out and still no overs and unders, which is really weird. But, yeah, anyways, Oscar Piachota minus 320 went down a little notch, plus 260. Uh, Tim the Kurgan Williams, not his nickname. I gave that to him. All right, moving on from Tim. Staying on Fight Pass, we have Berkman versus uh, Morono, the great white. I was surprised they gave Berkman another fight, man. I'm a fan of Berkman, but oof. This is his me horrid. Berkman plus 265. Alex Morono minus 325. I can see that. Uh, kind of wanted to put on the avoid list, but then didn't. It didn't inflate that much. And really, I just I still can't argue, even though I love Berkman. I want to defend him. But, you know, traditionally, this would be a fight that it would be on the avoid list if... You know, Berkman fights to his traditional best, which is, you know, doing his normal thing, but doing it better. The stance switches, circling, having heavy kicks offensively and heavy hooks off the counter to offer guys and make guys think twice and to check guys like Alex Morona, who are defensively culpable coming in and, uh, you know, still could be susceptible to a veteran that can outlast uh, Morona, who is shown to gas. And Berkman, even when he is gassing or tired, can fight fight through some shit um maybe not anymore though because it seems like his chin is depleted you know and i, I hate to say that but I love, I love berkman the guy's just savage i think he just put his body through too much stuff i mean i remember when i worked at said said whole foods and him coming through and you know like, hey what's up man and just talking to him and you know i didn't say anything but uh he was fighting the flu and and he was buying distilled water for his weight cut and i was really nervous about that i'm like ugh I don't know, man. The distilled water it strips you of the minerals, and you're already depleted on it, which because you're cutting weight, which is probably why you're sick. I know I've experienced getting, I many people have experienced getting sick during weight cuts. So it's nothing new to him. I mean, he was just pushing through because he's a tough savage. But I was just like, I think the min, the mineral that the distilled water you know, strips you of your minerals as well as your water, um, which is fine. But you. There are signs that you need those minerals even when you're not sick, much less when you're trying to fight something off, much less when you're going to fight fucking Hector Lombard, much less when that's a roided-up Hector Lombard, if you guys remember. Anyways, um, but yeah, they gave him another fight, and, and I think Alex Bruno wins. Let's let's just move on from that one, shall we? I don't want to talk about it. It's me. All right, uh, Sarah Moore ass. I thought she just, come on, she's asking to be called that, right? And then she calls herself Cheesecake and has that fucking wide-eyed look on her face, like she's just in a hunger rage. Like she just looks like the kind of girl that, like, if you're dating, you do not want to piss off. Like, it looks like if you're dating her, like, the bad days are bad. Boy, Dan, I, you know, I wouldn't make <laughs> – obviously, I'm, I'm joking as I do on this podcast, but I probably wouldn't joke as hard if she wasn't so vicious to my girl, Ashley Evan Smith, after popping her arm and saying good without even, like, a justification, humor implication, a nothingfication. Uh, yeah, that was just really weird. No, 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 but, but all honesty – um, she's a tough girl, man, and, and, and she's super live here. So, like, if you're playing Sarah Morass, like, uh, don't let what sounds like bias talk, which it's not. I'm just, just, just coloring in what, what otherwise would be a very boring fight breakdown for these two. Um, you know, she's underrated. So you have Sarah Morass versus Lucy Puddle of Love, Putty Lova. Of course, I call her Puddle, Puddle of Love. Uh, let's not think too far into that. That could mean, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, get the odds here, so, uh, Puddle of Love is minus 160, more ass, plus 140. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Lucy, Lucy, Lucy Puddle Love. I think she's gonna be, have the advantage on the feet. She throws much more volume. She seems to improve from fight to fight. You know, she looked like kind of a wet mop, just flopping around uh, early on. And the Lena Landsberg fight was kind of atrocious. Like that could be something that happens here. She did show improvements in her next fight. Granted, it was against Kim Ji Yong, but as far as in the clinch and overall, um, if Morass can get her down. Then puddle of love could drown in the puddle of love, or something like that. But 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 yeah, I mean, Morass has a ground advantage. I guess is what I was trying to say. Um, but I, I just think uh, Lucy's gonna move too much and throw too much. And oftentimes, if you're durable like she is, and you're you're ferocious and aggressive, and you throw much more than your opponent, that is who wins these female fights that go over and really aren't worth too much talking about. Not that female fights aren't worth talking about, but a lot of the ones the UFC puts on. All right, let's move on before I just get into that. Uh, that was on the avoid list, by the way, for those reasons. This is almost on the avoid list. Um, but I, I, until I see more from Sanchez and uh, uh, Roberto Sanchez, and until I see otherwise from Joby Sanchez... Um, I think Joby Sanchez is the deserved favorite. A lot of people playing Joby Sanchez. I don't, I don't know if I'm confident enough to play him. He didn't make my straight plays, but he didn't make my avoid list either for what that's worth. Um, I'm just saying that I think that there's more confidence out there on him than I am as far as what I'm seeing on the Twitter sphere. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't disagree. I don't, I don't hate it. You know, It's one of the more playable lines. We just have to see more about Roberto Sanchez of the feet, you know. He, he promising on the ground, real crafty, man. He looks really crafty. I think I might have just slightly taken him over. Uh, what, what the fuck is his name? Um, he didn't fight Benito Lopez. Whoever they fought last time, the Team Alpha Male. <laughs> I had to say, Team Alpha Male, young Mexican submission heavy prospect. That should narrow it down. Um, oh, Jesus Christ, damn. But yeah, no, no, no. Uh, whoever the guy beat last time was. But yeah, he um, he doesn't show enough on the feet. doesn't show enough process for me to be like guy like Joby Sanchez, who deceptive amount of experience and has the process. And, you know, went three rounds with the guys like Wilson Hayes, who I have respect for their games. And, uh, you know, was in some tough spots in his fight against Manny Vasquez as well with the back. So even if he does get into some bad spots, it's not a game over for Roberto Sanchez, you know. Joby Sanchez shown he can defend. And, you know, he really wants it. He's put together some win streaks against some deceptively tough guys. It's always a deceptive, it has a deceptive resume in general. Um, I think Joby Sanchez gets it done, whether he's playing on top, he plays on top pretty decently, or as I think he's going to do, circle, stick and move, and find his spots on the feet to, to get it done for the majority of the fight. So that is the pick there. Uh, all right, next we have. Uh, Jeff Neal, Geoff, as I like to say, uh, versus Brian Camozzi. Camozzi. Brian Camozzi plus 180, Jeff Neal minus 220. This one almost made it on my avoid list as well, but again, the, the line didn't inflate enough, and I, I can see why you know you play Jeff Neal if you, if you wanted to play him. Um, obviously, he's not going to make my parlay piece. He's a debutante with a sketchy sample size, you know, athletic, athletically high ceiling, southpaw, Used to play football, can naturally has a proclivity to wrestle and can do it quite well, could take a back, can wrestle for three rounds, though he shows to get tired earlier in his amateur career, likes to throw, can throw uh, can throw better each fight. His punches get a little straighter. 
a little more cleaner on his entries, on his footwork, as far as the stepping to the outside foot, taking the angles he needs to do. So, yeah, I mean, he, he does what he's going to need to do here. But Brian Camozzi, though, he's been fucked up in his two UFC fights. And, you know, he went against deceptively experienced regional guys, for what that's worth. I think that's fair to say about his opponents. And in his best finishes on those regional scenes, he was finishing guys who were taking him down. You know, he was catching a guillotine. He was hitting guys with a kick, or he was catching them with knees. And these are kind of the same basic um, punch, punch in the space, change level pathway that Jeff Neal kind of takes. So on paper, Brian Camozzi's got himself a path to win this one, but I think Jeff Neal should take it just based just, just based on, on uptrend, up, uptrend ceiling and raw skills because he's not just raw skills. He seems to be getting better each fight too. But again, I'm not confident enough to for the minus 220 or anything even close to that, to be honest. Um, so let's move on from that. Oh, my wound is hurting. My surgery wound. You don't need to know that. Sorry about that. Uh, Jared Gordon, uh, who comes in as the favorite. Uh, minus 270, Rich Carlos Diego Fajeda. Minus 310. Um, my article should be out uh, by the time this is out. I'm a junkie. A betting article, minus 245, Jared Gordon, I took. Uh, it was not listed on that article, but still minus 275 is very playable. Pieces for the parlay is that because because that is what I recommend him as. Uh, as you guys know, if you guys have heard, even even before when he was supposed to fight Michael Quinones in that fight, that uh, when it, before it happened, uh, it didn't happen in New York um, last early last year. I was already high on Jared Gordon before his story was really known, at least to the mass. So I didn't pick it up in my research for him, but about overcoming drug addiction. But you could see he has that fucking Matt Brown gear to him, right? That Court McGee gear where it's just not human. Not all humans possess it. And you guys know I'm a sucker for wrestle boxers, those pressure fighters who could just relentlessly pressure. And and you know it's Grant. He comes from a boxing background. From he bleeds deep into his family. I think it's going up to all the way to his grandfather was not just a professional boxer, but a bare knuckle. Um comes from a wrestling base as well, uses those heavily, can throw leg kicks and stuff too, don't get me wrong. And as far as jiu-jitsu goes, the area he's going to have to worry against most against Carlos Diego Fajeda, who, again, there's a difference in Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. And to, to Diego Fajeda's credit, credit, I don't know how far of a cut above, but I will. I, I think I can fairly and confidently say he's a cut above than your average Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Go look into it, a third, not just there being a third degree, but just his skill sets and accomplishments. But... Uh, you know, Gordon is a well-trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt under John Danaher and trains out of Henzo Gracie Academy. So he's getting consistent, you know, looks from killers all the time. And I like the moves that he's made, even though, again, he, didn't, he, he I haven't seen him against that caliber guy in MMA. But from his last fights, you know, I've liked the moves that he's made on the ground. Uh, did really well against, you know, Hawkron Diaz in his last fight, who not just you know, competent in that area on the ground, obviously, but experienced fighter, say what you will about him. Um, and I don't think he's going to be, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's easy because, like, Gordon was a bad matchup for Diaz. I, I was on that. I was on the third-round finish for that, um, which almost happened. If the ref, I mean, probably should have if the ref just followed through on what he was going to do and stopped the fight. Anyways, neither here nor there. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that 
Diego Fajeda on paper is not as high of a touted or skilled fighter as a, you can make an argument for that, but as Halkern Diaz, uh, I don't believe he's going to fade as easily, although he could because he's much more aggressive. He's not, he doesn't keep his tools to his chest. You know, he showed to make a real turn in maturity as far as being able to have more process driven and putting his skills together because that was the whole thing. He just couldn't, Diego Fajeda couldn't just continuously string his skills together. And you saw him kind of make a turn in that. And, you know, maybe I thought maybe it was because Oban Mercier maybe had an off night, looked a bit off. Well, maybe it could have been because Oban Mercier was a bit off. Or could have been that uh, old Diego Fajeda pop for steroids. So, says it was just a mix-up of supplements. But, you know, we've seen this story before, right? Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I think Jerry, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's hard to 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 to, to turn away from that and the two year layoff that Fajeda is facing, and uh, against a pressure guy like Gordon, who you know we we had him on MMA Junkie Radio and talked a bit about his game plan. You know, he couldn't reveal too much, but I like what he said. And essentially, he's like, I'm not going to stay on the ground to this guy early. It's going to be later if it happens. I don't mind it, but we're gonna we're gonna test him. We're gonna wear him. We're gonna make him work. On the feet, and I like that. Um, you know, Gordon still takes shots in the win and is pulling, returning, and pressuring. That comes with the territory, but he has that in- insane durability, and uh, and uh, he's not like he's technically doesn't know what he's doing. He's doing stuff right in there as well. So I like Gordon a lot, um, and uh, I left him alone on fantasy because I think he's going to stay away from the takedowns, and I don't know if he gets the finish. Uh, but I, again, he's a, he's a parlay piece here. All right, on that beat, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to break down the main card of UFC Austin right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. Just got home from Illinois, locked the front door, oh boy. Got to sit down, take a rest on the porch. Imagination sets in, pretty soon I'm singing. here in the Protect Your Neck podcast for the main card of UFC Austin. And uh, decided to change it up with a little CCR there, a little, little throwback. One, you know, it always reminds me of one of my favorite movies, The Big Lebowski, when uh, when the dude is banging on the sunroof, which I, I always do if this song ever comes on in the car. And uh, <laughs> two, because it sounds like this sounds like the song that's like constantly playing in Sage Northcutt's head, right? Like, <laughs> that's right there, Mr. Woodley. <laughs> Our Mr. Favorite Hope to do I don't know maybe. Yeah anyways Yeah I'll spare you the Northcutt humor We all we all have our takes on the guy But he kicks off the main card Against Thibaut Guti And Sage Northcutt comes in As minus 310 favorite Thibaut Guti Plus 255 Um. Yeah I I, I I can understand the line. I don't really have a problem with it. Um, pick here is, is North Cut. Essentially, you just think that there's just going to be too much of a speed advantage, and that's going to fuel his in-and-out karate stylings on the feet. T-Ball Goody is a power puncher, but outside catching him, coming in, or 
perhaps of a well-placed counter because he looks like he's getting more comfortable with the counters. I don't like his chances. You know, he's he's, he's his third or fourth camp at Jackson Wink MMA. He's making improvements. He's looking more comfortable on the feet. The fundamentals are tightening up. The wrestling, more importantly, is improving, but I don't think it's going to be enough, especially because that even though the wrestling's improved, on the floor is traditionally where Guti is foiled. So, and, and, and Sage actually has a really underrated level-changing takedown. Like you could, There's still questions to be answered about his transitional grappling as a whole. But even going back to like his amateur days and his fights on the regional circuits, he always had a really good level-changing takedown he could lean on. And I think he, he would do it out of second instinct. There really wouldn't be a rhyme or reason. He would just do it to do it before offensively, whereas now he's much more smarter when he's doing it. You notice in his last fight against... Michael Quinones, he was doing it at the end of end of each round to secure those rounds. It was really, really smart and really disciplined. I really liked what I saw, and he kind of continues that uptrend of guys who are kind of like nomads and Ronan. They they make their way to Team Alpha Male and and experience an upswing. Um, so you know, I, I like those things. So I, I see Sage kind of tagging Goody on the feet, and then eventually getting it done on the floor. So for that reason. Uh, I didn't play anything on Sage, but I did take him uh, for the top recommendation right above Oscar Piachode. Piachode. Uh, 9,200 for DraftKings. Yep, yep. And the rest the rest will be on the main card here too as well. Wow, heavy, heavy main card for the DraftKings. <clears throat> but, uh, all right, next fight. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Steven Peterson, who I always want to say Scott Peterson, the guy that killed his wife, murdered his wife or whatever, versus uh, Brandon Davis. Brandon Davis, minus 210. Steven Peterson, minus plus 175. I almost wanted to pick Peterson because I think the line's off here. I think this is like a dead pick him. But with, I think the quick turnaround in this case helps Brandon Davis because he didn't take a lot of damage in that Bokniak fight. It was kind of a frustrating fight. So I imagine he's still in shape and desperate to do a turnaround. I did like what I saw from Davis, despite the wildness still. And he's some things that are going to bite him in the ass that I hopefully he learned about in his fight with Kyle Davis. But but uh, I do favor his volume and shot selection on the feet. However, Steven Peterson, though a little more bread and butter, though maybe not as fast, or maybe not as flashy, maybe not as effective. But still very well-rounded on the feet. Very competent. Keeps his feet underneath him. Could counter. Could come forward. Mainly comes forward and presses guys against the fence. I see that pressure styling of his, you know, paying paying dividends well. Because he'll usually go for takedowns. He's got a serviceable double leg there. But when he gets guys to the ground, he does pretty well. Or at least gets guys transitioning with him. Like, he can hit guillotines from standing. He's got submissions from topside. And he's got a decent guard. I mean, he even has an omoplata finish, Steven Peterson. You know, uh, brown belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So he will have the advantage on the ground. It's just a matter of getting it there. You know, Davis is underrated wrestling. Um, he fights hands really well and uh, can scramble really well. So, again, I'm siding with him here. But, dude, it's not a strong side. And the fact that it is a pick and the fact that Peterson's path involves takedowns and ground um, and opportunistic finishes, then... You know, if you're looking for an underdog, I, th I think he's worth considering. I think it's a reasonable price at 7500 So uh, that's my take on that fight. Next, Thiago Alves, minus 165 versus Curtis Millender, uh, plus 145. Um, 
you guys know we've had Curtis on a show f- uh, for this recent, his last three uh, legacy fights. He's been on the show quite a bit, probably one of the more guests we've had on. So I've, I've become a fan of his, just talking to him. Um, I like his style. He, I've been high. I've, I've, I've been real high on this kid. I've you know retweeted his finishes, just you know big on him. But I think this is a bad spot, and and. Now I think it's a bad spot. I'm kind of surprised at the line. This is another line that I feel is off. I think it should be a little wider than maybe it is, you know. Um, Melinda's got size on him, but that's never been a problem for Alves, you know. you know, um, Yeah, he took damage against Seth Pazisky or Jordan Mean, but he won those fights and was able to find his way inside. It's it's, it's more guys, like it's, it's grappling pressure that's been Tiago Alves' traditional foil, which is why I picked a guy like Jim Miller to beat him and granted, you know, not taking anything away from Jim, but Tiago had a bad weight cut there. But again, is he the same fighter? No, his best days behind him. Of course, you know, Alvis's best days are behind him, but the bottom hasn't completely dropped out yet. And I think everybody's acting as if it has. And I think he proved that by, even though I was one of the few to pick Jim Miller to beat him, I was also one of the few to pick him to beat Cote and, and felt him felt pretty comfortable in that. Um, when people were already just jumping off the ship because I do the same thing. I talk about it on here all the time. I'm not any better than anybody, believe me, but it is a perfect example of overcorrecting the steering wheel. And I think a lot of that's been done, you could argue unfairly, to Tiago Alves. Again, not the same fighter, not a lot of fights left, but we haven't seen it drop out yet. He's still... You know, uh, still his speed. He's still he's in fact he's gotten better. You know, his left hooks, his counters, uh, his defense, uh, his footwork. He's actually made a little bit of his improvements since in these last couple years since that um, uh, Condit fight, which you remember it was just a beautiful intercepting shot. Like he was even actually looking much improved in that fight as well. Uh, so again, it's just it's just a matter of perspective here how you want to look at a guy like Tiago Alves. So. You know, he, and, you know, again, you know, with the media guys be able to tell you about, you know, their technical this or that or blah, blah, blah. No, probably not. But you know what the media guys on the floor are really good at? Sensing when a fighter is in good spirits. And I like to call it the good spirit call because when, even when fighters, when, even when the media guys aren't making picks, nor are they even talking about making picks, whenever you hear about, oh man, he looked good. You know, Eddie Alvarez, Rafael Dos Anjos, you know, fight week. Man, Eddie Alvarez looked good fight week. He, He's looking good this week, huh? He really showed up confident. Whenever you hear media guys do that, I don't have any hard numbers for such a superfluous stat, but I'll tell you, those guys do really well. And all reports you're getting that from Tiago Alves, which is impressively impressive and an additional good sign considering that Alves, though coming off of bad luck, he's coming off of multiple training camps. So he's been in shape. He's been ready. Um... And he saved himself the fight, the in-fight miles, at least for whatever that's worth. So yeah, and, and and Melender, even though his last head kick finish, he actually comes off countering a leg kick. And as Melender says, he has a counter for everything. And I, I, I believe his confidence. I like his confidence. But the fact is, from early fights to late fights, he wasn't doing that every time. He did that that time. But he takes a lot of leg kicks, and against number two behind. Boy, who was it? He just fought. Oh, behind uh, Cowboy Cerrone, who fights later. Uh, All-time uh, leg kicks landed at welterweight, or I think just in the company's history in any weight class. Boy, 
that's tough, man. That's tough. So, and the thing also with the Melender is I like his setups, and, but I don't know if that's going to be good because the reason why I opened up to leg kicks because his jab, he's got a really good jab, and he, but he kind of gets, and he gets really creative, and I like how he gets creative with like little back fists and little, uh, you know, Dutch hand traps, and he'll play guys into the kicks. But with that style, it's a very one-and-done style. So he's only throwing one shot at a time. So he's available to counter, and he's not putting hard numbers on the board. So you'll see split decisions come and go his way a lot. Uh, I think that's what happens here, but I don't think it's that close. I think it is a decision, though, because Melender's tough. I think this is just your typical price of entry, price of admission. You're getting a call. You don't get a full camp. It's a quick turnaround, a veteran opponent who's ready. And you, you come in here and you're probably going to have to take the loss, but you're going to bounce back. You know, it's not going to be a bad loss by any means, but I do see it being a loss. And for that price, I couldn't help myself. Played Thiago Alves for 1.5 units, minus 165. And uh, left it at that. All right, next fight. Uh, Francisco Massaranduba. Tranaldo, plus 210. James Vick, minus 250. Uh, the pick here is Vic, but this uh, this feels like as it has trap fight written all over it. Um, the line two, I was surprised it kind of inflated, came back down to reality. So which means the public is messing with it. But I don't know how much they messed with it. Um, but uh, but yeah, Vic should be favored. I get why he's favored. I'm picking him. He's got a really uptrend. He's cleaning up his footwork, his boxing, his overall technique, his defense. Most importantly, but. He's one and one against Southpaws, being dropped against both. You know, one and two against Southpaws. You count Mike Kiss on the reality show. Um, but uh, but no no you know in sorry in UFC fights he's one and one against Southpaws was dropped in both, stopped in one of them. Is Benil Darius? Sorry, I'm all over the place here. But uh, but but yeah, and and that's kind of hard to overlook against one of the heaviest hitting counter left hands in the whole division, which is a big division at one fifty five. That is. Masaranduba's left hand, Trinaldo. So that's going to be live here. Uh, all day, all day long, all day. FTI, all day. So, but you know what the fuck Bam Bam's going to do. So, <laughs> oh, that's great. Shuey, by the way, shout out. Ben from New Zealand. Uh, I, want to, I want to do a Shuey. I want to make a bet with somebody for, for, for a Shuey. You know, if they lose, they got to do a Shuey on camera. That's a, that's a good one. But anyways, uh, but yeah, you know that could happen. But um, I'm honestly seeing Vic. Uh, you know, he gets better as fights wear on. He's a third round finish guy. So uh, shout out to Derek Love, Derek, Derek Love, third round uh, flyer. Uh, I didn't, I didn't officially, uh, I didn't officially. Oh, actually, I, I did. Oh, actually, I did sprinkle on Vic round three. I lied. Uh, plus one thousand fifty is what I just put. I just put like a few bucks on it just for fun. You know, Dan Tom. But, uh, but yeah, because I think he's going to do it in round three. I think Trinaldo does tend to fade, especially guys that make him fight, like Vic's going to. And um, I see kind of like, you know, the, the Abel Trujillo scenario. You know, Vic's really good off a front headlock. And when you have guys that are that muscle-bound kind of structure, and I, I say this in my, my breakdown before the fight happened with Abel Trujillo and Vic, was that, you know, these guys are that, that gas and, and, and tend to shoot takedowns when they're tired or to, for, for shelter. It's not good against a building kind of a building a building volume guy um, on the feet who has a really good you know choke or guillotine you know it's like you know when, they, when you're shooting them you know Nick and Nate Diaz could do that too on guys they would just volume and piece them up because they had they had a guard and a guillotine waiting for them on the other side 
And I see something like that happening here. Um, so, I mean, is I confident about it? No, not entirely because the prop I actually played was Vic Trinaldo does not go the distance. Because even though I'm picking Vic, I got this Trinaldo itch that I can't stop seeing of him hitting that left hand. So for plus 105, when the top two outcomes, in my opinion, are Vic getting a finish or Trinaldo getting a finish. Because also Trinaldo, by the way, even though he's got a good chin, he is showing father the time in the sense of he's getting hit way more um, with counter rights. So that, that's going to be there for, for Vic. But yeah, those are the two top two outcomes. So that's what I played. I did, though, take Trinaldo for that reason because he's so cheap as far as your lower tier pools. He's one of the better looks for DraftKings. So I took him on DraftKings at 7,200 uh, for those reasons. All right. Coming event, Derek Lewis versus Marcin Tibura. Tibura, minus 130 favorite. Lewis plus 110 underdog. Line has roughly kind of stayed the same, I think. I think it's it's tightened up a bit over the week. Uh, but, you know, which doesn't surprise me because Derek Lewis is a popular name value. Tabor is not. Not an attractive name. Not an attractive fight style. But I think he's the deserved favorite. Um, I picked him. I don't blame anybody playing Lewis. By nature of who Lewis is, by nature of this being a heavyweight fight, he is a very live dog, hence why Derek Lewis made it onto my DraftKings team, you know, because if he is going to win, we know how he's going to win. Um, and he will have a speed, footwork, mobility difference and advantage over Tabura, but Tabura will have the grappling and wrestling advantages. And in fact, I see him hitting his catch-kick counters a, a lot. He's really good whether he's countering with punches or, more importantly, takedowns at getting guys down off of caught kicks. And we saw how susceptible Lewis can be to that in his fight with Shamil Abdurakimov. Uh, hesitant, tentative fight, uh, at least in that fight, was hesitant and tentative and had like two broken arms and kept catching kicks and taking Lewis down, right? I think Tabor is going to do the same here. I think it's going to be anticlimactic. I think it's not going to be fun for the fans, or Derek Lewis fans, or the fans in attendance. But I think Tabor gets a decision. If he doesn't, though... Um, Lewis will win big, which is why I went with Lewis over my actual pick, even though that actual pick involves takedowns. Because uh, there's not a lot of dogs to pick from, because as you can tell, Dan Tom has a chock-full card. Uh, which, if I do it, there's usually a reason for it, but yeah. I'm about as excited about that as you are, I guess, from a degenerate standpoint. Alright, main event time. Yancey Medeiros, minus 105 now. Holy shit. Donald Cerrone, minus 115. The line's been tightening, but it just the money's just coming in on Medeiros. And I don't blame it. This is a fight where I'm, I'm rooting against my pick here, so Medeiros is probably going to win, according to that logic I just dropped on y'all earlier. Um, he was my initial lean, but it's just I can't help but seeing Cerrone's head kicks. This is like a matchup that Cerrone should win, you know? Uh, they're both susceptible to the body. They're both susceptible to getting hurt, but Medeiros often slipping his head. He runs into knees because he dips his head forward. He slips his head left to right for the head kicks. And most importantly, even with his improvements from early days to recent days, that boxing stance of pressure Medeiros keeps, he doesn't check leg kicks very well. And like I said earlier, he's going... And, he, and by the way, he never really had to pay for that because he never faced like spectacular leg kickers, Medeiros did. But now he's going against the best leg kicker according to statistic, UFC statistics. The most leg kicks landed in any weight class in UFC history, Donald Cerrone. That was kind of the deciding factor for me. Not to sound Joe Rogan with leg kicks, where leg kicks rule rule every leg kicks rule everything around me. Cream the money, dollar dollar bills, y'all. 
But like, no, seriously, it was. It, it, I think it's gonna play a factor here. Um, you know, my co-host George, shout out to George. He thinks that the, the wrestling's gonna be a difference. And I don't blame people uh, seeing that. But when you actually go back and watch Cerrone or Madero's footage, I think he's gonna be able to stop those level changing shots. Like Madero's has been able to wrestle for some time because he actually comes from a wrestling base. Uh, grew up wrestling. Uh, wrestled in high school and, and, and did very well. And uh, you, when you actually look at his in-fight footage, it's a very underrated part of his game. You know, the way he uses his levers, and even when he is, gets down, he gets back up. He's got a tremendous base and balance. Um, so I don't see Cerrone being able to use his on-paper advantages because he does have on-paper advantages on the ground. Submission, transition, sure, yeah, yeah, sure. But I don't think he's going to get him there. Um so if he's not going to get him down, then it's going to be a gunfight. And if it's going to be a gunfight, then I don't blame you for sprinkling money on Madero's, which apparently the public has done, which is why the line is tightened up so closely. But, but yeah, uh, it's defense. I mean, you know, who knows? You know, Madero's has a beautiful left hook to the liver, and I, I would love for him to land that shot. It would be awesome. Like, I'm rooting for Madero's. My heart's with Hawaii. I feel bad. But, like, as you know, like I just said, too, as well, not just, you know, picking against my, you know, uh, people I like, but also, like I said with Anna Hulatan, you know, that the karate, instructor com- karate instructor comparison, it's like you're all harder on the ones you love, right? So uh, when it comes to overcorrecting the steering wheel, again, third lesson here that I kind of sprinkle in these little podcasts. Yeah, Dan Tom tends to overcorrect his steering wheel when it comes to those things. So with that being said, Forget the technical breakdown. Just that alone pretty much guarantees that Maderos is going to win. And my Cerrone pick is wrong. And Cerrone will lose four straight because of that. Uh, and because of that, Maderos is the last member on the DraftKings team because he is, in my opinion, the most liveliest, liveliest dog on the card, in my opinion, despite picking against him. So in review, the DraftKings team from top to bottom, Sage Northcutt, Oscar Piachota, Derek Lewis, Yancy Medeiros, Steven Peterson, Francisco Trinaldo for a low roster total of 48,700. Props, Vic Trinaldo. Uh, fight won't go the distance, plus 105. And for you protecting that podcast listeners, not on the list. But yeah, I, I sprinkled a bit on some other things like the round three. Um, the round three for uh, James Vic. Uh, Ronaldo as well there. Um, fish hits. Uh, parlay piece is Jared Gordon, minus 245, who's gone, since gone up. And Oscar Piachota, minus 325, who has since gone down. Straight plays, Tiago Alves, minus 165, who has since stayed the same for 1.5 units. And fights to avoid, Sarah Moras versus Lucy Puddle of Love, and Scott Peterson. Steven Peterson versus Brandon Davis. All right. Um, before we get going, just some shout-outs and house, 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 some quick housekeeping. I was going to do some of the things I've been saying I was going to do, but first, some just, just shout-outs. I uh, just want to give a shout-out to Lynch on, uh, on Sports. Go, go, go Follow him at Lynch on Sports, James Lynch. Always his excellent interviews, man. When I'm doing research on these guys, especially these undercard guys, it's so helpful tier interviews and like where they've been because uh, they're pulling these guys out of nowhere to fill these fucking cards now and thankfully 
Like I dedicate myself to my craft. There are guys who dedicate themselves to their crafts like James Lynch as well. And it's amazing. And he's got a podcast you should check out called the MMA Industry Podcast, I believe. And subscribe to his shit on iTunes. Um, just wanted to shout out everybody at, at Junkie for being awesome and supportive and dealing with my ass while while while, while dealing with it, while me dealing with my health problems. And speaking of health problems, you know, Junkie, I don't want to get too into it, but you know, uh, you know, uh, Simon Zamano, fellow colleague of mine, had you know, uh, family emergency of his own pop up. So I just want to give a shout out and love to him. Positive vibes his way. He's a really good cat. Um, shout out to the betting sharks. I'm mean, betting sharks. You guys are always awesome. And uh, Loaded Joe's MMA podcast community, you guys are awesome. Uh, bloody Elbow, because I saw that John Kavanaugh tweet about Bloody Elbow, and I thought that was really unfair, because I know that I don't work for Bloody Elbow, and we are competitors, te- you know, technically, I guess, and all that good stuff, but it doesn't mean I can't fucking give credit where credit's due, and there's a lot of good people at Bloody Elbow, including my man, uh, Zane Simon, Connor Rebush, much other people. And they're one of the people that have balls uh, to publish articles like a Cream Zidane's articles, you know, the, about uh, Karadoff and you know dictators and shit like that. And uh, I appreciate that. And they, they, when they do do goofy stuff, it's goofy shit I like, like uh, Zane and John Nash doing that that movie, uh, that little movie segment. I hope they do more of those. So shout out to you guys. That was like a bloody elbow commercial there. You just guys got just got from a junkie guy, but fuck it, um, you deserve that. Um, of course, shout out to my man, uh, Matt Wells, Kendrick Johnson, the Slip Into Podcast. Um, all right, before we get out of here, just real quick, I know I've been like teasing it since Christmas, but you guys actually did click through, and I don't, and I, and I don't talk about it enough. Um, you know, I talk about the iTunes, which, by the way, the ratings and reviews, thank you, five-star ratings and reviews, um, they've gone up, but not as much as I'd like, man. So if you guys are listening, again, I know I give kind of smaller windows. He's only like... 20, just over 24-hour windows usually, what it seems like. Um, but, you know, the top five, the recaps, the other interviews, and just as far as going in-depth, and they are coming with enough time to, you know, adjust your drafting times and get your plays in. And, of course, I'm doing articles throughout the week and plugging them at nauseum and taking the time. So, again, if you want to show your appreciation, it would be appreciated. There's a big trend right now, a podcast going to Patreon, and I'm not hating. Believe me, it's smart. I should be doing the same thing, but I don't personally don't feel like I'm in a place to. Um, f- from a business strategy wise, if I wanted to, I'm not in a place to. And then, moreover, more importantly, I don't want to. Um, I would rather be able to do things through sponsorships, sponsoring things that I like and, 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 and believe in, and have you know the podcast, you know the sponsors that believe in me. And we can connect them with you and we can all three of us win. Those kind of things I'm definitely down for. You guys using the click-throughs, which I'm about to get through, I'm definitely down for. But again, things that don't even involve any money from any parties, it's just like an iTunes review, you know, for, for everything. You know, again, I'm not, not not charging for these. I don't have a social life. I put I literally put my life like 80, 80 plus hours, which is why these things are so late, so... Again, even just I, I know it sounds sh- shitty to beg right now, but I'm I'm notice how I'm attaching it to the iTunes reviews and not anything that has to do with money. So I, I am at least separating that because come on, it's just a click. Help your boy out. Um, I'm not I'm not the most business savvy person as you can tell. I'm not even good about posting my podcast. If you notice, I'm not posting as much in like certain chats and stuff. It's not because anything against those chats, by the way. No, none of y'all take it personally. I'm not getting back to your DMs like, hey, check out my DraftKings line. Do these picks look good? 
You guys know I'm up against the gun every week. You guys know this because I'm a I'm, I'm a sucker and I reply to you. But the same people respond uh, trying to message with me. So don't don't ruin it for everybody, you know, or anything like that. Um, and and, and I, I apologize. Just please understand. I'm not trying to big league any of y'all. Just super busy to post and and, and whatnot. So. Uh, again, just an idea of, of 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 the weekly. So sorry to tie all that kind of. Not sure I'm going with that there, but you know, it, it sounded like a pathetic plea. I'm sure is what it came off as, and I apologize. Not the spirit I intended, but but I don't do that. That I don't I don't ask for much or anything really that that often. I, it's usually a quick plug at the very end, and I'm out of your way because I, I hate even doing this shit. But it would it it would it, it would uh, it would mean a lot because your boy doesn't 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 is not like I was saying not business savvy. I don't. I don't post enough episodes to get a good healthy algorithm and all the other little cheats and tricks that, that I'm sure a lot of you po- more savvier podcasters know what I'm talking about. Um, your boy doesn't do that. Not because he doesn't know how or knows that he should. I do. I'm just, again, I'm, 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 I'm just, I barely have enough time to sleep and recover from surgery wounds, okay? I'm not, I'm not thinking about fucking algorithms. <laughs> all right? So help your boy out, please. Thank you. All right. And as far as other people that went out of their way to help out, Beyond a simple click, which actually all it really took them was a simple click, to be honest. Because if you go to mixedmartialanalyst.com, the host of this here podcast, and as well as where you can find, you know, my archived uh, my archived work, now past work, archived versions of this podcast, and, and any archived old articles, uh, you can find there as well. It's not a complete, not a, it's not a useless site. Believe me, it's not just holding stuff. But it, it's it's holding some some decent stuff, I guess. I'm trying to say. More importantly, so the Amazon and on it click throughs, uh, anything you can get through on it essentially. We all, or, uh, you know, if you don't use on it, we all use Amazon, right? We all do. So, again, you know, if you're, you don't got to spend any extra money, you wouldn't. And if you want to support the show, just next time you want to buy something on Amazon, think about it like, oh crap, you know, let me just go to mixmarshalanus.com, click that banner. Two, all you did was two extra steps right there. All of a sudden, you're on Amazon. If you have one of those things where you're like automatically auto signing your account, you're there, you're right there, you're auto signing into your account. Um, nothing has changed, and just a small percentage gets kicked back to you to, uh, to the site for this year' podcast and show. Oh, hello, fire engine. That pulled in the neighborhood. Hopefully, my building's not on fire. <coughs> but yeah, on the Amazon, people bought uh, some interesting things. Um, let's see here. Where is it? Oh, we have a, a Rick and Morty beer mug, uh, a set of two. Thank you for that. That one was an earlier one. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that was, that's gotta be maybe like, 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 like Christmas or something. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, we got in just... Injustice 2 for, oh, it's a video game? Okay, all right. I'm really bad with the video games, but they, dude, video games are fucking pricey. I can't believe, like, I thought that this shit was like 20 bucks, and then like, like $59.99, $55.99. Like, what? $49.99? I'm like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like old man Dan. I just, when I see these prices on this stuff, thank you, by the way. I'm not calling you crazy for buying. Thank you for buying that. Thank you for thinking of me. Um... What do we have here? Sorry. Mad Max. Nice. Good taste. Good taste there. Justice League. Lose my number. Just kidding. No, wait. That's... 
What is Justin Leak? Wait. Oh, no, I was thinking of... What was that fucking horse shit amalgamation of comic book movie fucking bullshit? It was, um... They used my favorite song for the trailer and then just botched it because, like, the trailer wasn't even the movie. The movie was, like, a recut by the time it came out. It was just awful. Fuck, what was it? I think it even had Will Smith in it. God damn it. This is why you don't go to the movie theaters that allow you to get drunk. Damn. Um, but, yeah, it was... What was that? It wasn't just... It wasn't Justice League. It was another one where they all kind of come together. It's like, the girl with the bat or whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're probably shouting on the podcast, so I'll move on. I think, yeah, Justice League, I think that was one with uh, Henry Cavill. I didn't see that. Maybe it was good. I don't know. I'm comic book movie the fuck out. And I don't even get to watch it. I haven't even watched any because I don't even get to watch movies anymore because I'm so damn busy. Yay, damn. Um, although I did finish The Punisher finally. Meh, it was all right. <laughs> Took me forever to finish it. and Meh, it was all right. Um, okay, um... Also because, like, I, I plowed through, like, that little break we had, like, after that crazy, like, nine stretch and then being sick through my vacation, my quote-unquote first vacation in two years while I spent being sick and developing this hernia that I just had surgery on. And I didn't get to finish the last episode until the – I think I allowed myself one day where I didn't <laughs> didn't work, which was the day I came home. But, I, but it was funny because I came home and I was so high on, like, fucking – drugs they give you the good drugs they give you that i felt i felt fine like not fine but i felt like okay enough to work i think i can work but i'm like no nah, no nah, i'll wait till tomorrow and then I, I watched the rest of punisher and it was shitty all right sorry um what else uh destiny 2 i know that's a video game no idea what it's about but i know it's a video game and it's an expensive one so thank you thank you for buying these seriously um Dunkirk. Hey, someone with good taste. Well, I don't even know. I haven't seen the movie, but it's supposed to be good. I, that's one I got to catch up on. That's on my list. Any of you guys see Dunkirk? Any good? I don't know. Feel free to hit me up. Um, thank you for buying that. Uh, Darkest Hour. Oh, that's the Gary Oldman flick. Yeah, the Churchill. I, I love Gary. You, you, as you all know, Gary Oldman's my favorite actor. I love that. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm guessing the person that bought Dunkirk is the same person that bought Darkest Hour. If that's true, can you let me know? Uh, either at the PYM Podcast or at Dan Tom MMA. That would be awesome. And uh, that's it. Let's go to uh, on it and we'll get the fuck out of here. Sorry, I'm, I'm taking longer on this than I thought. Um, Alpha Brain, that was me. I'll, I'll come clean on that. Um, Grass-fed whey protein, that was not me. Uh, I'm glad they... Uh, that's cool they added it, but I was just looking, and I'm like, I think they're just trying to pull a fast one on it is because I'm a hemp protein guy, and that hemp force is no longer there. They have this, like, substitute stuff that uses hemp seed and not the actual hemp protein, and it's at a much lower percentage because they compensate with all this other stuff. It's all good stuff. It's not hemp. I want that complete chain amino, baby. I want I want the hemp, baby. I want the green, son. And uh, I think they copped out. I think they made the cop-out version, and then they, they, they did a rollout of the whey protein just to kind of, like, smokescreen like hey look at this it's fancy stuff so i don't know if any of you guys are like hardcore fans of the hemp force because that shit was always sold out so i know i'm not the only fan let me know if you guys know anything that i do but dan aren't you an affiliate that works for the company shut up i know i should know this i was probably email away if i want i actually have a contact of a guy i can ask but i'm lazy i'm sorry i'm i'm, I'm commiserating with you um caveman coffee amber two packets of that thank you for everybody that 
Appreciate that. I can't have coffee anymore, at least as of right now. It sucks. Um, as soon as this, I fully heal from surgery, though, I can go to a gastrointestinal doctor and see what the hell has been going on. Right? Acid. Stomach acids that are just kind of out of whack. Um, but yeah, thank you guys. On Amazon and iTunes. It was a little bit of a longer intro, but it's guys. No, for the last couple of months, I keep skipping it over. I never plug these things. I'm a bad businessman. I still am a bad businessman, but at least I'm trying, right? 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 All right. Well, uh, I guess that's, <laughs> that's all you can ask in life. You got, you, all you can ask is try. And uh, I'm sorry I occasionally get on here on the soapbox on here from occasion. I hope you guys do enjoy the stories that I do share or the inappropriate humor or, or random technical thoughts and life advice or just, just, just thoughts in general. Uh, good luck. Uh, hopefully you did well last night. Hopefully you do well tomorrow on the card on Sunday. Hopefully you have a good weekend. And always protect your necks.